0: Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Check out the self-pour beer wall at Walters. Walters is located across the street from Nationals Park. Walters is the best sports
1: bar in Navy Yard. Walters is your spot for all of the NBA playoffs.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: pitch swinging a fly ball deep left field toward the corner chasing McCutcheon he's not going to get it it's down for a hit McCutcheon cuts it off on the warning track Hernandez scores Franco dashes into third and in its second with another RBI double is Lane Thomas Thomas picks up his second RBI of the game and his 15th of the season. 2 1 delivery from Suter. Is lined to left field toward the line. That's going to be a base hit. McCutcheon angles to cut it off on the warning track. Strange Gordon will score. Hernandez for third. He'll stop there. And in at second with an RBI double is K. Ruiz. Ruiz stays hot, and so do the Nationals in this inning. Six consecutive hits, and they
0: lead this ballgame six to nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, May 23rd, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at American Family Field in Milwaukee. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, sometimes in life, the why behind the what does not matter. It's just the what that matters. And on Sunday, the what was the Nats offense waking up and busting out. Uh, Davey Martinez changed the Nats lineup for this game, in a pretty significant way, moved uh, K-Bert Ruiz up to the number two spot, Juan Soto to the number three spot. Whether the lineup changes in relation to the Nats offense doing well were causation or just correlation, the bottom line is this. The Nats offense did well. Just one run total over the first two games in the series, but the Nats on Sunday afternoon scored eight runs an eight to win at the Brewers to avoid a three-game sweep and improved to 14-28 and 28 on the season. You know, Mark, knowing Davey, as we do, we know how much he likes to stick with a lineup off and having a good game. I would say the safest bet on the planet right now is that Kbert Ruiz on Monday night will bat second. Juan Soto on Monday night will be batting third.
1: I would agree with you on that, Al. And I'll just tell you, you know, what I wrote in my game story, because I think it applies in this time. And I know you'll enjoy the reference. Sometimes when you keep doing something and it's not working, you're just left with one choice. Do the opposite. And as George Costanza famously found out, if every instinct you've ever had has been wrong, then the opposite must be right. And on this day, whether it means anything in the big picture or not, who knows, but on this day, the opposite really did work for them. Savor it, enjoy it, keep riding it as long as it works. Maybe it won't, but for now, hey, it worked.
0: 14 hits for the Nats on Sunday afternoon to go with a walk. Six for 12 with runners in scoring position, We had a six-run fourth inning that was something else. Eight consecutive Nats getting a hit before an out was recorded. Multiple bunt RBI singles. We had a hit and run. By the way, only the Nats could have a six-run inning without a homer, okay? And that's what that was. Singles and doubles and two bunt singles in that inning. That was typical 2022 Nats. But hey, a six-run inning is a six-run inning. And you know, this maddening thing with the Nats this season continues, Mark. When they lose, they barely score. When they win, they score in bunches. The Nats now, in seven of their last eight wins, have scored at least seven runs. Conversely, they've scored two runs or less in each of the team's previous eight losses. It really is nuts. The offense is either really bad or really good, but when it's really good, you're like, why can't we see this more often? What we saw on Sunday, why can't we see that more often?
1: It is mind-boggling how this keeps happening like this because you're right. It's not like we look at this and say this is just a terrible lineup and they never do anything because that's not true. Essentially one out of every three games, which is how many they're winning right now, the offense looks really productive, maybe not in the power department, but they do string together hits like we saw in this case and they execute in the right situations in that. And then on two out of three nights, it's like they can't do anything right. And I do wonder if, as you were pointing out, you know, there were no home runs in that six run rally. If that maybe has a little bit something to do with it, it's hard, as we've discussed to consistently string together that many hits to score runs. So maybe it only happens once every three days. And if you do have a team that hits for a little bit more power, that can compensate for other stuff. You can score runs and bunches on only a couple of hits in those cases, as opposed to, in this case, eight hits in one inning. So maybe that has a little bit something to do with it, the lack of power. But They do need to find some way. They don't have to have a great lineup night in and night out, but you gotta give yourself a chance. You gotta try to win some games scoring like four runs, which it seems like they like never do. They're either way above it or way below it. We'll see. Some of it might have to do with the pitching they're facing, but you gotta find a way to at least give your pitching staff a chance because too many nights it almost hasn't mattered how the pitchers have done because they just don't score more than a run or two.
0: Yeah, like your average runs per game. Is nice, but those 14 run outputs and 13 run outputs skew things. Like it would be much nicer if it was just more of a steady Eddie, you know, five runs a game. Like that would be beautiful, but the Nats have had a hard time doing that. But they were really good offensively on Sunday afternoon. You know, it's interesting. You had five Nats each having at least two hits on Sunday afternoon. Nobody really had like a monster game, but certainly multiple Nats had good games. And if you take a step back, the offensive standout for the Nats in this series ended up being Lane Thomas. You know, who knows what this will lead to, but this kind of felt like Lane Thomas's weekend in much the same way that the series at San Francisco felt like Victor Robles' weekend. Now, that hasn't turned out to mean much. And interestingly, Victor only started one game uh, in this series. But Lane Thomas on Sunday afternoon was back out there as an the at starting center fielder and number eight batter, two for four with two RBI doubles. He had an Nats one run second, had a two out opposite field RBI double Uh, got some help from the Brewers right fielder Hunter Renfro who came in on the ball and the ball went over Renfro's head but the double put the Nats up one nothing and then Thomas in the Nats six run fourth and RBI double to left field for a three nothing Nats lead Lane Thomas this weekend hit for the cycle he had the triple on Friday night He had a homer and a single on Saturday night, and he had two doubles on Sunday afternoon. This really felt like the Lane Thomas at 2021 on display over the weekend.
1: If only that triple had just been a triple and nothing else happened on the back end of the play. But we don't have to get into that one again. It was a really good series for him, hitting the ball with some authority. One of the few guys who was uh, hitting for power. And when you said earlier that you would bet the house on uh, seeing the same lineup again on Monday, I agree as far as the Ruiz 2, Soto 3. I would not be surprised with a left-hander for the Dodgers both on Monday and on Wednesday scheduled. I would not be surprised if Lane Thomas actually hits leadoff those two days. This is another one of those things that we've talked about. Are there any other looks that Davey could put together. And I know that uh, flip-flopping, moving Soto down and maybe moving Ruiz up was one of the things he was considering. I think uh, moving Thomas up against lefties in particular is something that he does want to consider because he had so much success there last year. And you're right, this weekend, that looked like 2021 Lane Thomas. Who knows if he can sustain that or not. But I think based on what We did see from him last year and what we're not seeing from others in the bigger picture this year. I don't think there's any harm in getting another good look at him and trying to gather some more information and try to draw a conclusion of is there more to him? Is the guy we saw last year something that can come out on a more regular basis? Or is he really just destined to be a backup outfielder? They don't know the answer to that, but I think it's time to start finding out something because you can see there's something there. When he gets on a roll, when he plays consistently, there has been some success.
0: Yeah, Lane Thomas, last season, 206 plate appearances, OPS plus of 134. I mean, that's quite good. 100 is league average. He was at 134 over his time uh, with the Nats at the major league level last season. So with K. ruiz I mean, this really was the big change in the lineup. Kbert ruiz who was batted, you know, number five, number six, number seven this year, vaulting up to that number two spot. You know, it's not without logic. K. ruiz now this season has an on-base percentage of 351. So it's not like some nutso thing that Davey did uh, in doing this, uh, Ruiz on Sunday afternoon, one for five with an RBI double. He, in the six run fourth, had an RBI double to left field to put the Nats up six nothing. Uh, Ruiz on Saturday night got on base three times. He went two for three with two singles. And to walk. What did Davey have to say about why specifically he did what he did with uh, Caper Ruiz, moving him up to that two
1: spot? Yeah. So I actually thought that you know, as much as everyone was going to make a bigger deal out of Soto being moved down to the three spot, which by the way, we've discussed as well in the last few weeks, and maybe there's a way to try to make a difference there. I thought that Ruiz hitting second was the bigger deal because that is an explicit display of confidence that Davey is showing in a young catcher to put him into the primo spot, the spot that I think we have to acknowledge going into this season, Davey and the people who help him formulate these things is essentially saying is the most important spot in your lineup. If you're going to hit Juan Soto second, you're saying that is the most important spot in the lineup. And now he's decided to put Caber Ruiz there. What he's done here lately, going into the game, he was hitting 370 with a 482 on base percentage and 522 slugging percentage in the month of May. That's really good. He had reached base in eight of his last nine plate appearances and then got on base, uh, well, twice more, although once was on an air in this game. So you're seeing a guy who's good at making contact, as we've discussed. He is also starting to draw his walks. We haven't seen a lot of power from him, but he has you know, the ability to hit for doubles. And I think the feeling there was get two guys who can maybe get on base for Soto. Yes, he sometimes is hitting with runners in scoring position, and he's really struggled this year, but maybe give you him two opportunities. Maybe you get multiple guys in scoring position for him, and you saw a payoff at least once in this game. Soto had a two run single. So I've thought all along that Ruiz's skills offensively. Could translate to being a number two or number five hitter somewhere in the top half of a lineup. I'll be curious to see where they go with this, but I think there is logic behind it. It's not just a we're going to pick names out of a hat and just come up with somebody who's hot right now. I think there is logic in the type of hitter that Ruiz is to think that he could be a, a number two batter.
0: Yeah, and he gets on base. I mean, you know, like if you just to me, you can simplify lineup construction to just get your best guys up as often as possible with that on base percentage. He's been one of their better hitters so far this season. You know, like now, is he a number two batter? No, but things are a little weird right now with this lineup, as Juan Soto said of himself uh, on Saturday night. So give it a shot. I mean, you know, look, it make you could argue it makes more sense than say so. Hernandez batting first, Cabot Ruiz batting second with the, with the OBP that uh, Ruiz has put forth so far this year.
2: Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. <laughs> my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents.
1: <laughs> I'm Victoria. Hi.
3: One ball, one strike. The set of the pitch. Swinging a ground ball. Base hit right center field for Juan Soto. There it is. Hernandez scores. Ruiz motoring home. The throw in is cut off. It's a two run single for Juan Soto. Nationals lead eight to nothing. They have seven consecutive hits. And for Soto, just his third hit this season with a runner in scoring position. RBI's 12 and 13, and maybe a little bit of a weight lifted off his
0: shoulders. So with Soto, uh, so he bats third on Sunday afternoon. He goes one for five with that two-run single. The six-run fourth, Soto had a two-run single to right center to put the Nats up 8 nothing. Is it coincidence or is it something more that just hours after Juan Soto rather tellingly said in a postgame press conference, I've been feeling kind of weird. I've been working a lot on my swing. He's been struggling that we see this change, and that's something that some have suspected, that he doesn't love batting second, all of a sudden changes the next day to him batting third. Is that coincidence, or do you think that there's something more to that?
1: I don't think it was a reaction to what he said to us after the game. I think Davey was already thinking about these possibilities of what can I do differently, and when would I decide to make that move or not. And I think it had more to do with what he was seeing himself over the course of the last several games, And, you know, he has his own conversation with Soto. I don't think Juan is telling us something that he doesn't also say to Davey or hadn't even said previously to him. So I think it has more to do with that. Again, it definitely had a lot to do with how good Ruiz has looked lately, which uh, gave him the justification for putting him in the second spot. You know, I think Davey, I don't think we give him enough credit. Like he is a smart guy who looks at the numbers and has people who give him the numbers. And he understands that, Yes, in today's world, it does make a lot of sense to hit your best player second. He talked about it this spring, about why he wanted to do that with Soto. And he made the case to Juan of why that would be a good thing for him. But Davey also, as we've talked about, he is a feel guy too. And sometimes something just doesn't feel right. And we say, let's try something different and see how that feels and if it works. And when it does, you don't have to necessarily explain why it worked. You just say, it worked. So let's do it. These are human beings. They have thoughts that go through their mind, whether consciously or subconsciously. For whatever reason, maybe hitting third took some pressure off of Soto, and he felt like, hey, I can just be the hitter who I always am. I'm not going to worry so much about it. Now, he didn't have a great game, like we said, one for five, but it was You know, a two-run single, those are only the third and fourth RBIs he's had this year of players other than himself. So it was fairly significant. And like you said, I think we're going to see it again as long as it seems to work and the team is winning games.
0: I think it's really funny that in 2022, you can make a statement like there's less pressure batting third than there is (laughs) batting second, because for years and years and years, that was never the case, right? Your number two batter was some like no power having slap hitter with speed and your number three batter, that was, you know, one of the studs, one of the horses in your lineup and Things have changed now, man. Like, number two is where it's at, and that has become a real pressure spot for most teams.
1: Yeah, and I would say in this case, when I'm talking about less pressure, maybe just because Juan has hit third a lot and obviously had tons of success there. So, for him personally, uh, I think there are a lot of guys— Uh, younger players, if you said, hey, you're going to hit third for us tonight, would would feel some semblance of pressure because traditionally that is, you know, the power spot, the big spot in the lineup. But yeah, the game has changed and you look around the league, a lot of the very best hitters are batting second, but for whatever reason, Soto maybe hasn't been comfortable there. Let's see how he does in the three spot now. So far, you know, early result, you had a good positive development from it.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if it really is bothering him, it's not worth it to keep him in that two spot if he's going to be so much better in the three spot. I I still would say that that's not the reason why he's been struggling. Like, I think probably whatever issues plagued him in the two spot might plague him in the three spot. Conversely, whatever he would have done well in the two spot, he'll do in the three spot. But hey, if it is weighing on him and this is going to get the best out of him, then bat him third. Like, it's not that big of a deal.
1: Maybe this is this year's home run derby. You know, that was the conveniently fixed his swing last year when, truth be told, it probably wasn't the home run derby that actually fixed him. But it did something to allow him to become the hitter that he knows he can be. If this can have a similar mental effect on him, go for it. Why not? What do you have to lose?
0: So it's kind of funny with Nelson Cruz in this series. He gets demoted, quote unquote, to number four on Sunday afternoon. We've been waiting on this. When was Davey going to put Nelson down in the lineup. Finally does do that on Sunday. Nelson for the series ends up going five for 10, which is pretty good, right? But all five of the hits end up being singles, right? He's still not hitting for much power. And he ended up exiting the game on Sunday afternoon uh, with a sprained right ankle. He had a weird single in the top of the fourth, a single on which he was thrown out at second base, trying to stretch the hit into a double. So the single came on a fly ball into like no man's land in right field. And I guess that's the play on which he suffered the sprained ankle.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was sliding into second base as he was getting tagged out. Uh, We didn't know anything for a few more innings until his spot came up. He's a DH, so you don't see him take the field or not take the field. So it wasn't until the seventh when Riley Adams came up to hit for him. Now, Davey called it a sprain, which normally you hear that term. You think that's kind of a significant thing. But he also then said that he would consider him day to day. And when asked if uh, they might need to make a move and bring up another position player in time for Monday's game, he said, no, he didn't feel like that was going to, be necessary. Now let's see. Things can happen, uh, you know, over the next 24 hours that could change that. Maybe they decide just for insurance reasons, let's have somebody else here in case we need him. And let's remember, Nelson Cruz is 41 years old. Injuries maybe not heal as quickly as they would otherwise. And they've been playing with a short bench for a while now. It does kind of leave you susceptible. You know, it didn't matter in this game because they were comfortably ahead, but when you're using your backup catcher now to replace your DH, If anything were to go wrong, you're kind of up a creek a little bit. You only had two other guys on your bench at that point. I feel like personally, and maybe they aren't comfortable there yet, maybe it'll end up blowing up in their faces if they did this, but I feel like they don't at the moment need nine relievers. The starters have been doing enough, and we keep talking about how relievers are not being used as much as they probably should be. I think they'd be all right reducing one man from the bullpen and carrying an extra bench player, but we'll see. That doesn't seem to be a priority for them right now.
0: No, and Davey still is doing the thing of not allowing relievers to go for like two innings. I mean, this game on Sunday afternoon was the perfect opportunity for that. You see Josh Rogers relieve Aaron Sanchez, who we'll get to momentarily, and Rogers throws one and a third scoreless innings, like in a pseudo blowout. I mean, I know it was kind of sort of not totally out of hand, but why not have Josh Rogers throw three innings? Like, would that, have been the, would that have been the end of the world? The Nats don't have an off day until June 6th. I mean, this game on Sunday seemed like the perfect opportunity to get guys rest. And instead, we saw Davey end up using four relievers in the game.
1: So the only thing there, I, I agree with you on just let Rogers at least complete the two innings at that point. I don't know that Steve Ciszek needed to pitch in this game because he's gotten consistent work, uh, including on Saturday. So that's back-to-back games for him. The thing is, and we've talked about this, I think this was one of those days where it didn't matter what the score is. Kyle Finnegan and Tanner Rainier were going to pitch no matter what. They needed the work. And you can say, well, you got to keep saving them for a safe situation. Well, that safe situation never seems to come. And they are facing the Dodgers next. So God knows if that's going to happen, if they're going to hold a late lead. So even though they're up six runs, I kind of understand why he pitched Finnegan and Rainey in the eighth and the ninth. However, if, as we discussed the other night, he had used one of them in a two nothing game when they were trailing, maybe he wouldn't have felt the need to then have to use them both in a more lopsided game. So, there's a domino effect of all these things from one day to the next. And we'll see now, Monday and Tuesday, do the situations arise where you want them? And are they less available than they would have been otherwise because they pitched in an 8 2 game on Sunday?
0: Yeah, one thing leads to another. Because you haven't been pitching them, you feel compelled to pitch them in a game at which you didn't need to pitch them. And now, you know, no off day until June 6th, at least a scheduled off day. Maybe there's a rainout coming up, but yeah, it, it can get a little tricky uh with something like that few of the things uh, with the offense so Josh Bell was down to the number 5 spot on Sunday afternoon Bell went hitless in a game in which the Nat scored 8 runs had 14 hits the struggles of Josh Bell continued 0 for 5 he left four men on base he in the series goes 0 for 12 with a hit by pitch he is 0 for 19 with one walk over his last 5 games hasn't had an extra base hit since May 7th. Uh, Has Davey talked at all about what he's seeing with Josh Bell or what might be happening here? I mean, you know, we know he can be streaky. We know that he was very good up until the slump. Uh, But man, he's in a real rut right now.
1: Yeah. and, And he knows that Josh talked about it after Saturday's game and said he's got to take responsibility himself for the struggles of the team offensively when that has been the case and they're scoring one or two runs per night. And He's always been a streaky hitter. We know that about him. That's his track record. And the hope was that he could minimize the bad streaks, uh, the slumps. Now, you know, 0 for 19 is not good, but it's also not six weeks like we saw to start last season. So the hope would be he gets out of this uh, pretty quickly. But I, I think that's among the reasons you mentioned earlier about Nelson Cruz getting bumped down. The fact that he only moved Cruz to four and actually moved Bell, who's been their best hitter this year, all the way down to five, says to me there was an acknowledgement that Josh is not really at his best form right now. Maybe that'll change here at some point. But yeah, I mean, you step back and you say, this is where it's interesting because... When a guy gets off to a terrible start to the season, you establish this narrative of always oh, having a bad year, even though he may have been really good for a while, but just takes a long time for the numbers to come back, which is what happened with Josh last year. You get off to a great start like he did, and you sort of ignore the slump because the overall numbers still look good. But when you actually break it down, you realize, no, he's in a little bit of a, a legitimate slump here. Uh, and I think Davey is acknowledging that, and we'll see. If that lasts or if he can get it back, you would hope he can get it back and that this isn't a prolonged thing because for a lot of reasons, it's good for him. It's good for the team. It's good for everyone if Josh Bell can have a sustained, like really start to finish great year for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was emerging as a nice trade ship. It's kind of funny how it played out. The slump started – As we were right around the one year anniversary of the surge beginning last year, it's almost like he struck a deal with the devil of, hey, for the next 365 days, you'll be on fire. But then it's going to end and like poof, you know, it's almost like it ended uh, for Josh Bell. So we'll see if he gets going. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. The Window Nation graduation sale continues. If your old windows are failing or just not making the grade, here's a homework assignment. Call Window Nation and get to the head of the class with 0% financing for five full years. Yes, five years, 60 months, and Get two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Window Nation windows are the best. Window Nation has installed over a million windows in over 150,000 homes with 96% of those homes needing no follow-up service. You get two free windows for every two windows that you buy and you make no down payment and pay no interest for 24 months. Increase the value of your home with curb appeal. Save money on your energy bills by replacing your old inefficient windows with new energy efficient Window Nation windows. Call 866-90NATION or visit WindowNation.com. That's 866-90NATION or visit WindowNation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. That's 866-90NATION or WindowNation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you.
2: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On his fly to left in the seventh, swing to the seventh, swinging a ground ball
0: left side. Franco has it. He plants. He throws on to Bell, and a curly W's in the books here in Milwaukee. This doesn't matter that much, but I'm just curious about this. D-Strange Gordon was a Nats starting shortstop each of the final two games in the series. Alcides Escobar was not. You know, Strange Gordon is kind of a fun guy to watch. I mean, it's unconventional. He does find a way to get on base. His hits don't always look pretty. He can be a little too flashy in the field, but, you know, he had that RBI bunt single in the six-run fourth. Do you see, think that we're perhaps seeing D-Strange Gordon overtake Escobar as the number one shortstop, or at least we're seeing more of a timeshare at shortstop, or do you think Escobar is still the Nats' primary shortstop?
1: I would call it maybe more of a timeshare than anything. I think you'll still see Escobar start more games. I'm going to say three out of five, while Strange Gordon gets two out of five, something like that. Uh, But I actually did ask about it afterwards, and Davey said that there was nothing physically wrong with Escobar. Back-to-back days have an off, which is unusual for him. And he dealt with a finger injury a little while back, but that doesn't seem to be uh, the case anymore yeah, you're going to try some different things. And we know Escobar, what he's done for them this year or hasn't done for them this year. So why not try somebody who brings a little energy like D. Strange Gordon, a great squeeze bunt, the first of the two back-to-backs. Some interesting plays in the field. He also had one attempted to do something that he shouldn't have tried to do on what could have just been an easy out at first. And he tried to turn a crazy double play and getting out at second and it didn't work against him. And That's why he's not really an everyday big league shortstop. But right now, given Escobar's struggles, if you find a matchup that you like, go ahead and put Strange Gordon in there. But I would think it's at most a 50-50 split in playing time right now and probably still uh, leaning more towards Escobar than Strange Gordon as far as starts.
0: If you are still curious about Luis Garcia, uh, he's still doing quite well at Triple A Syracuse. But we know that we should not be holding our breath uh, for him to be summoned back up to the majors. So Aaron Sanchez was in that starting pitcher on Sunday afternoon. You know, he was decent, especially by like Aaron Sanchez standards. But boy, in a game like this, you'd love to see your starter chew up at least seven innings, right? I mean, you have a nice lead, just go out, work quickly, throw strikes, record outs. Uh, Sanchez ended up allowing two runs in five innings. He gave up seven hits a homer and six singles. He issued two walks. He only had one strikeout, uh, and he didn't throw strikes, which is something that he does normally do. He doesn't get strikeouts, but he normally does throw strikes. But Sanchez on Sunday, 89 pitches, just 46 strikes versus 43 balls. Did you think that Sanchez might pitch more because of the score or because it's Aaron Sanchez, you get him out after five innings?
1: No, I think you get him out of there because, let's be honest, I think they were fortunate to get through those five innings with only two runs scoring. Going into the fifth, he actually had thrown more balls than strikes overall. That's not uh, anything you ever want to see, and yet had a zero on the scoreboard to that point. The two runs came in the fifth when he did put over the plate a little bit more. What bailed him out in this game, let's be honest, was the double play ball. He got three of them in four innings and could have had four of them if they're able to turn another one that Cesar Hernandez had trouble making the exchange at second base. You could see Sanchez was kind of like emotional upset when they couldn't turn that one. So, That was his best friend in this game and really the only reason, I think, that he was able to avoid significant damage. And it is a good reminder that we look at the final pitching lines, but also look at how they pitched. There have been a bunch of games lately we've talked about. Josiah Gray, Eric Fetty, even Patrick Corbin at times. You look at the final line and say that wasn't all that impressive. But when you really break down the start, you say there were a lot of good stuff. In there, And I think this is the opposite case. The final line looks decent, but I actually think Aaron Sanchez did not pitch all that great. I don't think he looked that great. I think he was helped out by getting ground balls at the right time. And he even got, can you believe this? This this was where I knew the opposite was happening on this day. They actually got an opposing batter runner called out for going out of the baseline to first base. That's the Trey Turner play. That only happens to the Nationals, right? No, on this day, it actually happened to their opponent. And that's how I knew some crazy Costanza opposite magic was going on in this game.
0: And that's so funny because the Nats are about to see Trey Turner in that series against the Dodgers. Who would have uh, expected something like that? Aaron Sanchez now over six major league starts for the Nats this season, has an ERA of 7.16. But here's my favorite Aaron Sanchez stat. He has totaled 27 and two-thirds innings and a mere 13 strikeouts. That's hard to do in 2022. We talk so often about wanting to average a strikeout per inning. He's averaging less than a half of a strikeout per inning. That is a very difficult way to make a living as a pitcher in MLB in 2022. I knew the strikeout total was low, but with him having just one strikeout on Sunday, I said, let me look this up. 13 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds innings. Max Scherzer used to get 13 strikeouts in an outing. (laughs) This guy has 13 strikeouts over six starts this season.
1: I think it's called pitch to contact, Al. Isn't that the philosophy?
0: Yeah, that is, that is, wow. Uh, That is tough. Well, speaking of getting strikeouts, uh, at his best, Steven Strasburg gets strikeouts. And we finally, on Sunday, got news that we have been waiting for for quite some time. And that is that Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross are set to begin minor league rehab assignments. It's so interesting how these two guys' recoveries are like two peas in a pod right now. Strasburg and Ross are like Siamese twins. Uh, their recoveries are tracking along the same lines, and each guy is going to begin his minor league rehab assignment on Tuesday night. Like I-, I don't know if the Nats are doing this. It's like when you have twins and you dress them up to look the same. I don't <laughs> know if the Nats are doing this to be cute or what, but Strasburg is going to be pitching for a Fredericksburg. Ross is going to be pitching for AA Harrisburg, uh, what are we looking at here? How long might these uh, minor league rehab assignments last for?
1: So I think finally, you know, we've been asking all this time, OK, what's a reasonable timetable? When do we think they're going to be back? I think we can finally say with a little more confidence that we have a, an idea what it's going to be. So they're both going to throw four innings or 60 pitches, give or take, on Tuesday And Davey had previously said that he wants them ideally to get to six innings and 90 pitches ultimately before they're activated. Do the math. That's three starts each, at least three starts each. Now things can happen and, you know, maybe he has a rough game. And the the danger, if you want to call it that, of going on the rehab assignment versus a simulated game is now you're pitching in an actual competitive minor league game, which means if you have one rough inning, you got to stay out there or else they have to pull you from the game. In the simulated games if your pitch count gets high they can just end the inning right there pull you off the field send you back out for the next one that's the controlled environment of a simulated game now they actually have to go out and pitch competitively so things can happen that may mess it up but if it all goes the way that you hope it would you go four innings in this one you go five innings in your next one probably 75 pitches and then six innings, 90 pitches the third time. And then let's see, are they ready at that point? So let's do the math, plan it out. Now, on the 60-day IL, both these guys, so they're eligible. The first day they're eligible is June 3rd. So they couldn't come back before that regardless. June 3rd is be about the date that you would be making your third of those rehab starts. So I'm looking at June 8th, give or take, uh, as probably the soonest that we see them. And so I would guess sometime within that week, June 8th to 15th. Maybe they need one more rehab start. Maybe they're ready. Maybe one of them is finally ahead of the other and one is ready to go. The other one stays back. I'm looking at that range, June 8th to 15th, somewhere in there that we're going to see Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross finally make their 2022 debuts for the Nationals.
0: Well, June 8th is the 12-year anniversary of Steven Strasburg's Major League debut, so that would be fitting. Uh, Strasburg, of course, is coming off the season ending surgery last July 28th to address his neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. We know the challenges of that. Uh, Davey Martinez on March 23rd saying that the goal was for Strasburg to make 20 to 25 starts this season. We know that that's not happening, but if he can make 10 to 15, I think you take that and run with that if you're the Nats. You know, with Joe Ross. I mean, Strasburg is under contract for another four years after this season. He's not going anywhere. He's untradeable with that contract. Ross, his time of being under team control ends after this season. He's coming off having that arthroscopic surgery to remove a bone spur in his right elbow. Still looming over him is the potential for him to need Tommy John surgery. And like I said, after this season, he's a free agent. What do you think they're thinking with Joe Ross? Do you think that they think that, hey, Maybe he can be like a number four, number five starter for us moving forward. Do you think that they're just, they're just kind of playing out the string with Ross and there are no plans beyond this season? We know where things are with Strasburg. With Ross, I think it's a little trickier.
1: Yeah, it is a lot trickier, uh, as a matter of fact. I think what you do is you they've done everything they can to get him healthy and get him now back out on the mound again. And then once he is back, you put him out there every fifth day and you see what you have. Uh, in a perfect world, he pitches well enough that you maybe say at some point, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're going to be a free agent, but we think you're healthy. We think you can still help us out here. Here's an offer for next year, one-year deal, something like that. And maybe he takes it because he's familiar with the organization. And chances are, unless he just pitches lights out the rest of the way, he's probably not going to have a huge market as a free agent, probably not going to get a guaranteed multi-year deal. So maybe there's something there. If he doesn't do it, If he either gets hurt again or it's just kind of the old Joe Ross spin the wheel, make the deal, don't know what you're going to get any given time he takes the ball, then he probably becomes a free agent. And at that point, the Nationals have to decide, do we take another shot at him? Maybe it's on a minor league deal, so it's not guaranteed, something like that. There's a lot of different ways that that one can go. But I think that's why there's been motivation on both sides of that equation to get him out there and to go through this rehab because... This, you know, this is his career we're talking about now. If he doesn't pitch this year or barely pitches this year, that, you know, really hinders his chances of having another opportunity in 2023, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, So I think in Joe's mind, especially, he really wants to go out there and get as many starts as he can and make the case for himself, whether it's coming back to D.C. or going somewhere else next year.
0: Yeah, it's his age 29 season. It might feel like he's older, you know. He's still not even 30. Uh, He's been around a while, but you know he's not even 30 yet. So there might be some mileage left. But we know that the days of expecting him to become like a number two starter in your rotation, those days are done. But could he maybe be a number four, number five for you? Possibly. We'll see. But uh, a lot of uncertainty with both guys. But with Strasburg, like I said, it's not going anywhere. No one's touching him with that contract. With Ross. Things are uh, much more up in the air. You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast as well. Natschatpodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to Natschatpodcast.square.site. You can do as some good friends of the podcast recently did. Uh, Brandon from Madison, Wisconsin. He and his wife each wore a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt this weekend In Milwaukee. So we had our friend Tim Murray wearing a Nats Chat podcast t-shirt in Milwaukee. We had Brandon and his wife wearing Nats Chat podcast t-shirts in Milwaukee. The pod was taking over American Family Field over this weekend. I love that.
1: I mean, we thought that the highlight of the weekend was Vanilla Ice and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, the highlight were all the Nats Chat t-shirts spotted in the crowd. And, And, you know, For a team that, a home team here that wears blue and gold, the red stood out. You could see the red in the ballpark. You you, you definitely knew where they were.
0: If only we could have gotten Ice and maybe two out of the four Ninja Turtles to wear Nat's Chat podcast t shirts. That would have been beautiful.
1: What a missed opportunity. I can't believe I didn't think of trying to pull that off on Saturday.
0: Yeah, well, we can do it. We can do it next time. But maybe, you know, Leonardo and Donatello. I'm not sure which of the four would have been uh, willing to do it, but we could have found two, I'm thinking. Uh, to wear the t-shirt, but we'll figure it out next time. Uh, All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chatter, courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Next up for the Nats, the National League-leading Los Angeles Dodgers at Nationals Park. Boy, this schedule has not done the Nats any favors. We'll see what happens this week against Trey Turner and the Dodgers. Uh, Until next time, we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.
2: Runners second and third, two out, 5 nothing Nationals, bottom of the first, swing and a fly ball, left field toward the line, Ozuda on the run, can't get there, drops in for a base hit, scoring is Robles behind him, coming in from second is Gomes, on a single left, two runs batted in for Trey Turner, seven runs home here in the bottom of the first inning, they'll all be charged to the starter Dakota Hudson.